Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, let's uh, get things going on this Tuesday, February 20th. Welcome to the Deerfoot Inn and Casino, and welcome to the annual Calgary Flames Ambassadors Celebrity Poker Tournament. Uh, that's where we will be broadcasting from and doing this hour of Flames Talk. It's Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. we got lots to get into this hour, live guests and more. But, uh, hey, let's kick off the hour because we are 17 days away from the 2023 NHL trade deadline. It's a Tuesday, which means we say hello to our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler, where they always make the buying process simple. Look for the big Canadian flag at 130th Ave or visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank joins us now to kick off the hour, as he does every Tuesday from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, Frank. How are we doing today? Mr. Steinberg, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. We're uh, 17 days from the deadline. What uh, What's the league read? What's the Saravalli read on the Calgary Flames less than three weeks away? They are incredibly busy. I think they are in a spot where they've got the market cornered on defense. They've got the ability to be creative at other positions if they want. They've got a goaltender that's in demand. And they've got a team that has shown a ton of character on the ice the last number of weeks despite all of this going on that has sort of remained right in the thick of the race with all that happening at the same time okay let's start with the goaltender by the way he uh, just walked by me about two uh, two or three minutes ago so can confirm wave? he's in the room here um have things quieted down on jacob markstrom is that something that that has has kind of faded a little bit back into the background uh, for your understanding yeah, a little bit. I think it's certainly something that uh, was hot maybe 10 days ago and isn't right now, to the best of my understanding and knowledge. And I, I realized that everyone wanted to, you know, read into any sort of small details about routines and, and things going on. I, I've gotten no. zero indication. No. I've gotten zero indication that anything is up at the moment. Okay. When you say that he's in demand, is that by more than just one team, or is it still, in in your understanding, uh, is it just the New Jersey Devils from what you've heard? From what I know, uh, still just one team, but doesn't mean that he's, you know, there aren't other teams that are at least curious about his situation and where he's at right now, what the Flames are thinking. So um, that's, that's my current understanding. Okay, so that... That's the Markstrom front. I'm really curious now about the two pending unrestricted free agents. It but seems by the way, almost yeah. Are, do you do you know anything different? Have you heard anything different than what I've heard? Absolutely not. In fact, I've heard that things are uh, all quiet on that front as well. That uh, if there was anything, that it it is not percolating as it stands right now. Still, uh, maybe um, some 
bridge, uh, a gap to bridge in terms of what they need to get done. I, I've, I've heard it's quite quiet on that front as well. So, no, I, uh, I, that's, that's exactly what I've heard on the Markstrom front, which is why the, the Hannafin and Tanav conversation is the most interesting at this point because it feels almost certain that in the next 17 days, both those guys will be playing elsewhere. It's just this Correct. very weird purgatory and very weird waiting game that we're playing now about when those deals get made and when Craig Conroy uh, actually uh, pulls the trigger on them. Yeah, but that's just par for the course that's how business gets done look the flames have had i think a number of fascinating conversations on the tanev front the field of interest has been really strong and they're going to have a few different options to pick from in terms of the package that they'd like to select for tanev and i think they're hoping that over these next 17 days that someone steps up and ultimately gives them what they want i think they're shooting for a concrete first round pick. I'm not certain that they're going to get it, but perhaps they could work out something else that includes either maybe a better conditional pick. That's a second that could become a first could include a better prospect, anything to kind of sweeten the deal to get it over the finish line. I think they're open and ready for those discussions and they've been ongoing. And so lots of teams have put, I believe second round picks on the table um, and they're just, kind of playing the waiting game right now and at the same time hoping that Chris Tanev stays upright and in the near term (laughs) also continues to help the Flames push for the potential of this eighth seed now I think it's totally different and a bit more difficult to get through the process with regards to Noah Hannafin and I think they're dealing with what I believe is a limited market and it's not because teams don't like him or aren't interested. There's a, a number of teams that are. It's just that those teams that are interested, a lot of them have asset limitations. They've traded away first-round picks. They don't have interesting prospects to deal. And they're mostly um, also dealing with cap considerations as well that they, you know, it makes it a difficult transaction to pull yeah. off. So. There's a lot of things that they're sifting through on, on the Hannafin front that I think has made it, I'll just say, less than a fun process. Let's let's dive in a little bit more on, on Noah because uh, on the DFO rundown, the latest one that is uh, available now wherever you get your podcast, Tampa is a, a spot that you've got your eyes on as a potential landing spot for him, hey? Uh, it's not so much me. It's, it's That's what other teams that are in the mix – believe that Hannafin has signaled that if he had a choice that he has interest in ultimately landing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now he doesn't have full control. We know that he has a limited no trade clause. Don't know which teams are on there but the sense is that that's sort of the signal that he's sent out um, you know sort of in conversations with the Flames and how they would possibly broker that, I have zero clue or idea. Tampa doesn't have a first-round pick until 2026. And unless you're betting that the Lightning might not be good by then, which would be an interesting bet to make, um, I I don't know how that pick possibly helps the Flames even close to the here and now. Yeah. So that's part of what 
their issue is. Tampa has a couple interesting prospects, but really their pool isn't very deep. Isaac Howard is one that stands out as a forward. Uh, you know, first-round pick that was uh, a transfer from Minnesota Duluth to Michigan State and was really good and clutch on the world stage for Team USA at the World Juniors. I, I can't envision Tampa wanting to move on from him, but look, um, I, I just have a hard time putting the pieces together on Tampa in the here and now, maybe in July, but not right now. And, and that's the part that kind of further, you know, limits the market because then you're dealing with dealing Noah Hannafin in a pure rental scenario right. in which some teams may have the understanding that he might not be resigning with them at the end of the day. And that makes it hard. Right. I wonder, I wonder if there's a way that they can somehow extract something else. If, if the lightning are that, if, if they're that interested and there's obviously the mutual interest on, on the player's side, I wonder if there's a way that the, they could, you know, really extract and, and maximize and take advantage of Tampa's desire to bring that player in. We know they're without how, how? Sergachev. How? I mean, I don't know. I, I and and I, I I know that the asset list is is not strong, especially assets that can help the Flames right now. I just I wonder how creative you could get there. Um, and I I I just wonder if that if that could still work. And you know, the one thing I will say though, if that isn't able to happen and your read on it is bang on which i mean i think it's a good read frankie i do so if that if that ends up being the way this plays out yes maybe you don't get the maximal return because you're not getting a long-term extension on the other side but i still think even if it's just a pure rental you're still getting a pretty good return for hannafin aren't you 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 should and and that's why I'm, i want to be careful and and explain um you know, that we're dealing with the premier rental defenseman on the market. Like, there should be a significant return coming back. It's just that it might not be as good as some of the other ones that have popped up. And we had talked a couple weeks ago about the idea of the Hampus Lindholm deal and how that really, going from Anaheim to Boston, had set up as the sort of perfect trade comp in what the Flames could maybe hope to expect to get. I think you probably just have to take a step back and temper expectations and say, okay, that was a perfect scenario. Player going to a team that he wanted to re-sign with, team knew it, team had the assets, and they were able to make everything work. This time around, if it's not to Tampa or if the field is really as limited as some may believe it may be, then what exactly can the Flames squeeze out for a pure rental? Um, it should be good. It might just not be as good as what yeah. you're hoping for. The um, and, and then and maybe, of course maybe you know going back to last summer, maybe that all kind of connects and makes sense. Which is, if Hannafin was available last summer and he didn't get traded, and there didn't even really seem to be much talk, maybe just the market is more limited for the player than we even realized. And, and I do know that Flames tried in the summertime and, and never were able to get close to the value they were hoping for. And maybe it goes back to right what you're talking about. If there is a, 
if there's a feel that he has a preferred destination and that team is willing to wait him out and wait until the summertime, that does kind of hurt your value and trying to maximize or or get what we think on the outside should be the the right return. And if I'm, uh, and I'm not, but if I'm sitting in Julian Breezebois' chair in Tampa and I've got limited assets as it is, and I know I can get the player for free in July, I'm just trying to get through this playoff run and hope that what I have assembled is enough to get through a wide-open East. I mean, I doubt that Sergachev is back this year. That injury looked absolutely gruesome. It did. So I don't, I don't know what where they go from here. Is there a check-down option? Is there something else available? But they've spent a lot of their first-round picks. They've spent their top prospects. I'm sure they'd love to have that Tanner Janot trade back, a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. You know, a few of those pieces would have been nice to to you know sprinkle around to get what you believe is a a really solid left shot d that can be in your lineup for the next seven or eight years they do i do are they are the lightning in the market regard like will they try to replace sergachev even in the short term i think they're going to try to do something on the defense market but i i just don't know how aggressive they're going to be Okay, so we're talking with Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us every Tuesday here on Flames Talk from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Still, still somewhat skeptical the they could get a first-round pick for Tanev. I am. Yeah, I, I think. Look, you never know how the market materializes from here on out. You never know how desperate a team gets and just views him as the perfect fit and says, you know what. Screw it. We've got, you know, the 29th overall pick or the 31st overall pick, and we think this guy can help put our team over the top. Entirely possible. Um, but I, as I see it right now, I think if the Flames had gotten one, they would have already pulled the trigger. So unless yeah. that materializes over the next 17 days, then my answer is no. The only, the, the best chance for it, is if Conroy waits out his old boss in Toronto. And and I wonder if that's not the play because they don't have the kind of next-tier assets and they've got the first-round pick and we know how much True Living look, is looking to add on the blue line. We know how much he is already this season coveted Tanev. That's the one that I wonder about is can Conroy wait Toronto out and get that first-round pick? So here, I think, is the calculus that the Vancouver, or not the Vancouver Canucks, the Toronto Maple Leafs are thinking about right now when it comes to the market, is if we're going to give up a significant piece like our number one pick, in a realistic world, how many degrees or how many percentage points does this player increase our Stanley Cup chances for this year? Mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that the Leafs, given their limited asset list, are going to be using that first-round pick this year unless it's to fill multiple holes. Unless they can create some kind of package that makes something work, you know, and fill different voids that they have, I I just don't see them doing it for one player. And I really don't. As good as Tanev is and as impactful as I think he can be, 
I think we're talking about a very low single digits percent change with adding him to your team. And I think okay. that's more or less the calculus that a lot of teams are trying to run through is we really like the player, but there has to be some kind of limitation for it. From a Calgary standpoint, we've talked about the big three. Any Anything else that you've got your eye on here? No, I, I, I've been asked repeatedly what – if anything else, could the Flames be up to? Is there some other piece on their roster? Is there something else that they'd look at to try and get creative? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there is some kind of package that's put together. It's just that once you get outside of maybe Andrew Mangiapane, who else are you really, like, if you're Calgary right now, who do you really want to trade? And I don't think the list is very long. Yeah. Well, and especially because they're not looking to, as we've talked about for months, right? This is not a thing where they're looking to tear this thing right down to the studs, right? They can't. I mean, no one's taking Huberto. No one's taking Kadri. You could have a market for Uyghur if you really wanted to and, and go in a totally different direction, but then you're really starting over from scratch. Maybe Rasmus Anderson uh, generates enough interest and maybe... Like, if I could see Toronto giving up a first-round pick, it's for Anderson, not Tanev. Right. Which would be very interesting as well. Um, it's going to be an interesting next 17 days here in this market, Frank. And and, and I know that there are other markets that are uh, of interest as well. We're chatting with Frank Saravalli. He is our daily face-off NHL insider. What... Is Jake Gensel still going to get dealt? I know that he ended. Uh, he, he sustained the upper body injury. He's out about a month. Are we still talking about him getting traded? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, the Penguins are pretty far out of it. I know they've got a couple games in hand, but they're nine points back right now. Sidney Crosby's without his favorite winger for the next month. And it feels like more than anything – the Gensel injury has sealed that the Penguins will be a non-playoff team for the second year in a row. And mm -hmm. I think from a pure value perspective, the injury doesn't really change much. Again, not knowing the specifics, um, provided that it that is the timeline that he is you know, looking at to return sometime in mid-March, that gives teams a full month to reintegrate him into the lineup and then playoffs and that's really what you're paying for so um i think it's a really strong likelihood that gensel is moved and i don't think pittsburgh really has a choice outside of you know maybe one of those other big star players when i and i would say gensel being the youngest and on an expiring deal there isn't anyone that's in their organization that represents the same type of value that they can use to jumpstart this rebuild. Reminder, they don't have a first-round pick this year. They already traded it for yep. Eric Carlson. So to be this bad and not have a first-round selection and you have no prospects at all to speak of, you have to do something to get this moving in the other direction once and for all. Gensel and Edmonton, do you, do you see a potential good fit there? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to try like heck to do it. I think there's other teams that, you know, will certainly be in the mix. I wouldn't be shocked if a team like the New York Rangers is is sniffing around on Gensel. I wouldn't be surprised if the Carolina Hurricanes would be in the mix. Like, he'd be one of those key difference makers that I think 
Carolina has really been craving. Um, and what about Colorado? They've kept their powder dry to this point. I, you know, I think ultimately the Avs need a center more than anything else. But they've also got some holes to fill depending on what's happening with Gabriel Landeskog and also Valerie Nichushkin. So, um, you know, I think they're a team to watch. And I don't know that you can ever really rule out the Vegas Golden Knights, whether it's with Noah Hannafin or whether it's with Jake Gensel. They love the new shiny toy on the market. They love going mm -hmm. for it and being aggressive. And they've got the hardware to back it up. So, um, you know, I, those are just a few teams to, to keep an eye on. Couple more before we let you go. Um, Philadelphia, you wrote about uh, Scott Lawton today over at Daily Faceoff. Lots of talk about some other names. How how much are they going to be moving out between now and the deadline? I think they're in between a rock and a hard place. I think they've got a few players that they'd be not eager to move, but certainly open to the idea of it. And Sean Walker is one, as you mentioned. Scott Lawton is another. They're two different players, obviously different positions, but Lawton has term. And it's been a fascinating sort of, you know, calendar year for Lawton. He had a career year last year. This year his minutes are down by three minutes a night. He's playing mostly fourth line minutes. He's a key part of their penalty kill, which is second in the league. And his shooting percentage has been in half. But the Flyers have set a high price because if they're going to pry him off of their roster in the middle of what looks like a playoff run, they want something big in return. And that starts with a first-round pick. And I don't know that they're going to get it. And if they don't, I think they're perfectly comfortable keeping him because I think his value this summer, if they decide to go down that path, again, is probably not going to be all that different with two years left on his deal. But Walker is in a different situation. I, you know, I think they're also looking and shooting for and asking for a first-round pick. I personally don't think they get it. But if they don't, then they're going to have a real decision to make, which is, okay, we could potentially get a second-round pick for this guy, maybe a prospect in addition to that. Is that enough, or should we just keep him as an own rental, so to speak, Right for this this run that we're on do we owe it to our team is a second round pick enough to let go of a guy my argument would be for a team that they they're interesting like they've worked their butts off this year i i just don't think they're a threat to get through and really do any damage so if that's the case i think you've got to take what you can get but they've got not just messages to send in their own dressing room but also messages to send to the market what are we and that's not just with other managers, but to their own fans of trying to figure out where this team stands in the big picture. I think you have to remain true to what you're trying to build. Not all that different to the conversations we're having here, hey? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's, it's a little different in that no one expected the Flyers to be in this position. Yeah. Like they are 15 You got a five-point cushion for a playoff spot. Yeah, they're 15 to 20 points ahead of where they were last year. And it's mostly the same team. I mean, Walker's new, but they're without Carter Hart. Sean Couturier came back. It, it No one expected this team to be there, let alone to have the metrics that they've had. Some of their underlying numbers are incredibly impressive when it comes to their five-on-five -five scoring. They're a top 
eight team in the league in most of those categories, expected goals for, et cetera. Is it real? Is it a mirage? Is this a one-year thing? Can they be more than this? I think they're asking themselves a lot of different questions, whereas I think in Calgary, it's, it's just it's different. There were expectations that the Flames would be a playoff team this year. They've sort of been in that 20th to 26th place spot on varying days when you look in the standings. And they scrap and they claw, but they haven't quite really gotten their act together for any sort of sustained period of time where they've gone on a run to even really kind of make you think that this team can not just be a playoff team, but do some damage. And I think the writing is on the, the wall with so many different free agents. And let me just take a step back and give you the big picture view. If you're a Flames fan, how different would you feel right now if your team is in the same exact position that they are, but you had already committed major term and dollars to Lindholm already committed major term and dollars to Hannafin. Like we're talking 16, 17 million bucks on your cap for the next future years for the foreseeable future for both those guys. And instead, sometimes, you know, when you can, you save yourself from yourself, if that makes any sense in not making those deals that I think it's pretty clear that they needed to change up the mix. Last one, um, and, and I know you talked about this on the rundown as well. Now you take a look at where things sit in the Western Conference, and boy, has Minnesota been an interesting team. They've been up and down and up and down, and now they're rolling again, and they're two back of St. Louis for the final playoff spot, and, and they've got as good a chance as anyone of, of locking down that spot. Do they move Marc-Andre Fleury under those conditions? No, I don't think they do, and I don't okay. think... Mar- I don't think they want to trade Mark andre Fleury, period, whether they're okay. in it or not. I-, I think they want to keep him, but will he raise his hand to, you know, they'll do whatever he asks, but will he raise his hand? My, I don't think he will, uh, regardless of the 17-year personal playoff streak that he's been on, as impressive as that is. he, I think he's focused on trying to do everything he can to, you know, have that team get in and, and, and succeed. And what a story it would be, not just from Flurry, who's been asked to do a lot this year in light of the Philip Gustafson injury, but for a team that changed coaches, has been without their captain for a huge part of this year, and really has been in a tough spot. It's not just some injuries. It was the biggest pieces on their team for month-long All at the same time, yeah. All at the same time, and the contributions that they've gotten from Brock Faber as a star rookie. It's been a fascinating story to tell in the Twin Cities, and I think, personally, in my my own opinion, I think they're the favorite to be the eighth seed in the West, and I wonder if they're a live dog in the first round. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to, with some of their pieces, I don't know if I'd be so keen to play them in round number one either. Thank you, pal. Great stuff, as always. We'll hear you on the big show later this week. We'll talk to you next week when we'll be, uh, what, in uh, 10 days from the deadline when we talk next week. So uh, we'll be right up on it. Thank you, as always, Frank. Really appreciate the time. Enjoy the casino.
I shall. Uh, Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider, to kick off the hour. And uh, he joins us, as always, brought to you by our friends at South Trail Chrysler, where they always make the buying process simple. Look for the big Canadian flag at 130th Ave or visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. So in the uh, last 16 years here at the Calgary Flames Ambassador Celebrity Poker Tournament, this event has raised over $6 million. We are slammed here at the Deerfoot Inn and Casino, jam-packed, sold out again, and uh, first jersey off their back was uh, Rasmus Anderson, an all-in blind, hey? Yes. Somebody have to be first. What uh, What did you have? I had five deuce off suit. Not a great oh. hand. Had a pair though. Lost to two pairs. Four four callers. You guys wanted my jersey. Yeah. Four callers. So who uh, who ended up getting it? Uh, I don't really know. I'm not great with names. Okay. So. <laughs> Let's cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you all, you were only sitting down for five minutes. Yeah, so how did you get the names? No, it was uh, you know blind all in so uh it's for it's for fun right it's for charity so um figured uh somebody have to set a new record around here <laughs> that's good i still uh, kiprasov may still have the record of first hand and out so. i don't know if our dealer was quick enough though so okay maybe so tell the dealer you know <laughs> Does how that aura still exist about mika kiprasov in this event and going all in blind right off the hop no, the tradition no, no i i actually didn't know about that uh but i've heard some other great stories about a uh, kipper yeah <laughs> they're all true probably yeah. too um hey uh, did, uh you've been you've been coming to this for a number of years can you ever remember it after a loss like when you guys fell down 3-1 yesterday i was like no, the poker tournament's tomorrow, so they they always win before the poker tournament. Like, I can't ever remember being here when the vibes were a little off because it seems like you always win coming into this thing. I thought you were going to ask me if I remember the poker tournament the past few years. But <laughs> no, you, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, all jokes aside, but uh, it's such a good event, right? And um, it makes it easier, obviously, when we win. And, um, and yeah, it was a great game last night, and, um, and it makes this event even better that we we got a big win the night before. What'd you like about yesterday? That was uh, it. Just seemed like even at three one and three two, your five on five game was bang on, and you never got away from it. Did you feel like it was just one of those days where you stuck with it? Yeah, I mean the thing I liked about our game is that uh, you know it was no quit in our game. It was uh, even if it was three one or whatever. Uh, we we just kept playing. We just kept playing five on five and five on five. I thought we were the better team uh, last night, and uh, you know, with the players they have, we always knew that a really good power play. And uh, and at the same time, it's it's kind of weird to say, but you know, in some in some uh, form, you're happy for Monty to score Hattie, yeah. Even though you're <laughs> kind of on for two of them and uh, and that stuff, and in the box for one of them. So, uh, but um, it was uh, it was a great character win last night, and uh, it was just. You know, there was no quit in our team, and uh, as you said, even if it was three-one, we just bounced right back. You mentioned, in a way, being happy for Sean Monahan. Probably happier for Jacob Markstrom with the glove save that he made on Monahan after on he already four. had the hat trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I told Monty after game two, I was like, "Monty, what are you doing? I gave you the shot." Because <laughs> I obviously wasn't playing the two-on-one, but uh, yeah, um, we all know how good Marky is, and um, he's a uh, you know, top two, top three goalie in uh, in my opinion in the league, and uh, and it, it's great to see him night in and night out. And um, you know, he keeps us in the games, and uh, he makes some big stops yesterday, and allowed us to get back. Yeah, you know, it's funny you bring up Jacob. 
we talk we talked all season about how some of the the analytics underlying metrics like they put him right up there one two three in the league uh he's right there with demko and, and hellebuck and and you're like this guy probably should be getting a ton of vesna trophy love the way he's playing you guys you guys feel like do you guys feel that do you guys as you're going through a season you're like this guy is out of his mind like does that that pretty easy to pick up on when you're playing with him yeah for sure i mean uh i think after the new york game uh in in rangers i I just looked at him after the game i was like without you we would have lost this game seven nothing and uh and it was too bad one of those games where you know he played the way he did that we couldn't get a win for him but uh he's just been unbelievable all year and um it's about time one of those metrics actually uh, makes sense, and uh, <laughs> that's with uh, with Marky at least. And uh, you know, there's so many stats these days, and uh, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's about time one of those makes sense. When you look back two seasons ago, and you was a runner-up for the Vesna Trophy, and you look at the body of work he's had so far this season, how do you compare the two? Because he seems to be right back into that pocket for me. Yeah, he is, and um, I mean, we always knew it. We always knew how good of a goal he is, and. Um, and it's about time he, you know, he gets the love he deserves. And uh, you know, in the in the dressing room, uh, none of us ever doubted that. And we always, you know, as I said, we keep him as a top two, top three goalie in the league. And uh, you know, I think he's right up there with Vasilevsky. And um, he's a, he's a hell of a goalie and a hell of a teammate. I, I I spoke with you I don't know three or four weeks ago about him, and I I always wonder whether it's Jacob or just anybody in that locker room, and and I've really been struck on the outside over the last couple of years it, it, it seems like a group that like genuinely likes to be with one another genuinely is a, a really tight-knit group how when you hear on the outside piling on player a or piling on player b how much is a group does do you take offense to that or how much are you guys kind of like yeah we, we really want to we really want to go out and rally around that guy because he's he's part of this thing and it, it kind of offends everybody right yeah i mean um I, I think it's it's one of those things where nobody ever likes you know being talked about in, in trade stuff and uh, and especially you know when you're an older guy when you have family and kids and that kind of stuff you you, you think about the bigger bigger picture and and you you, you don't want to be around that noise and um, I think we've done a good job as a team just to you know take it game by game and day by day and uh, not get too far ahead of ourselves you obviously everyone knows when the deadline is and all that kind of stuff and uh you know with the with the way uh nhl works um with you know expiring contracts and that kind of stuff and uh but i think we as a team we're just we're, we're trying to be in the present and we're trying to do we're trying to focus on the task we have ahead of us not look too far ahead and uh, i think we've done a good job of that obviously you know we'd like to have some more wins at this point and uh being a playoff spot obviously but um you know there's still there's still a lot of hockey left and yeah. anything can happen and um you know it keeps coming back to me all the time but you know you, you see with florida last year you know anything can happen once you get in and um and that's just the mindset we have that um we don't really care about you know the outside or if there's a deal being done uh, we try to win the next game and uh you know none of us will ever especially the older guys will be okay with us you know rebuilding or whatever the word is and um we want to push for that playoff spot and we will always do that how much is 
Coach Huska been a part of that, just in that kind of right from the get-go when it was uh, a rough start to the season or when you guys were rolling in November? The the conversation has always been, does it matter? It's the next day. It's a new day. How much has that helped the group be able to deal with any and all distractions this year? Oh, it's been huge, obviously. I mean, um, and, you know, especially coming back from the break when, you know, we're on the break and uh, the Lindy trade happened and, uh, you know, we go to Boston, we'd be one of the best teams in the league, and then we go to Jersey, beat them, and then we go to New York Islanders and beat them. And, and you know, we take three out of three out of four when, you know, a lot of people will say, be happy if they win one game. And, uh, right. And that's just, you know, he keeps us in the press and he keeps us in the moment. And, uh, you know, we treat every game like the same. And it's it's no different of uh, who's in the lineup and who isn't in the lineup. And uh, and that's what uh, I think is really cool about this group is, um, you know, um doesn't matter if it's now or in late March. And, um, you know, March 9th after the deadline, we, yep. we're still going to win. We're still going to try to win every game we have in front of us. I'm glad you kind of brought up that Boston game in passing after the Elias Lindholm deal because Nazem Kadri post game had a soundbite to me that might have been the quote of the year with a, oh, yeah. a pack of hyenas can take down a lion. Is yeah. that something that oh, we've has been, been on said every before? Day. No, yeah. we've been. No, he said it, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, on the bus after the game, we we're all kind of laughing, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, I was, I was watching something, and I saw the quote, and it fit perfectly to our team." And uh, and it's it's true though. It's uh, you know. I mean, we obviously, you know, don't have a superstar. Some other teams do, and uh, and but when we play as a team, and uh, when we really work teams down, and uh, you know, play as five connected, uh, we can beat anyone in the league, and that's what we've shown. Uh, you know, especially on the road this year, and um, you know, obviously our home record would like to be a little bit better, but uh, I think uh, I think it's uh, it's a quote that sums up our team that when we play as a pack of hyenas, you know, we can. We can beat any team in the league. So has it been fully adopted, or are you just poking fun at Nazem? No, no, it's out? it's been fully it's been fully adopted for sure. It's uh, it's such a great quote, and uh, especially for our team, I think. Yeah, uh, Rasmus Anderson's with us. Last kind of place I wanted to go with you. Are you how how much are you on social media? How much do you pay attention to what's going on? Because it feels like of all the guys in that room, you're pretty dialed on on what's being said. How how much are you paying attention? I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm on social media. Like, I'm on Twitter. Uh, but um, especially, I think, you know, closer to the deadline, you're on a little bit more than you would like to. And... Uh, but I think it's just more like you know you, you want a kind of a sense of what's going on, what's going on and um, but you know me and Connie and I think you know the players have been there a long time has such a good relationship with Connie so uh, um, you know uh, we I talk to Connie quite a bit and you know you ask and you um, you know we, we have we have our conversations but uh, you know you're obviously on social media and uh, and you know I think when the Lindholm trade happened I think you know you just refreshed about it felt like yeah you refresh all the time and uh you know i was in mexico having a couple drinks with the guys and you know we we're talking about it and all of a sudden lindy was traded and then um so you know it, it it's it's different but you know i i like to you know be pretty dialed in on myself and not too focused on the stuff around me and you know you can only control 
so much as a player. I've heard you use the term Twitter monsters before. And yeah. I believe we all know they exist. Did, does it ever mess with you? Like, is it, is it, or like you're in the NHL for a reason. You've got the, the mental focus it takes to get to where you are. Is it pretty easy to block that, that crap out? I mean, I, I think, I think of it kind of differently. Uh, you know, if someone, if someone chirps me or, you know, writing stuff about me i always try to prove them different and uh that's just the way i've always been and uh but you know it's just you know even last year with i think that's what triggered me uh, uh you know with with last year with uh with marky how many people were on him and um and he was the best now runner up the, the year before and yeah. then all of a sudden he's the worst goalie in the league and it's like i and the thing with me is i was like well you're supposed to be fans of the team like why do you like i get it it's you know it's it's part of it's part of being a professional athlete uh to deal with the outside and to deal with the noise and all that kind of stuff but i mean i i think i can handle it to uh you know i can handle it but i don't like you know seeing my teammates um getting um getting chirped or roasted on social yeah. media and um and it's just but unfortunately it's the way we it's the world we live in and you know people hide behind their phones and uh you know if we see you know if you see 100 or maybe one would come up to you in, in your face and say it to your face and the other 99 would run away so uh, that's kind of always been my mindset about it that you know if i saw the people in real life they wouldn't say anything to me and uh i think that's pretty true and um i just i i hate seeing my uh my teammates getting uh abused on social media it's crazy and i still to this day have never had any player come up to me and be like you were out of line or anything like that. and 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 you know part of the things that that i think that vix and i learned growing it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna carve or if you're gonna be critical you better show your face the next day so that somebody could come up to you yeah. and say something but but i i think i think too like you know if you look at the toronto media or the vancouver media like i think and this is not me you know part of my language of anyone like i think the calgary media like you guys are in the dressing room you know you you can write that i have a bad game and i know when i have a bad game yeah. i know when i have a good game and i know when i have a bad game and i know when i have a terrible game like and you know it's okay that right that i have a terrible game but when you start jumping on the person and you know it's 10 games in a row when you're on a guy and i think the calgary media base overall is pretty good at not like you know singling out one specific players you know, it might be a fan or two fans that does it who think, you know, you can win with 18-year-olds in the lineup, which, you know, you still got to get over the cap with $60 million And yeah. they think you can play 20 18-year-olds, and that's just not the way the league works. And I think, but I think the Calgary media is, is good in that way that you guys never target one player. Sure, the team can have a five-game losing streak, and I can be dashed 20 on that losing streak. And, you know, if you tweet out, be like, hey, Ras has been you know awful these last five games hey you know what it's true i yeah. have been like and i think that's what what's the difference between the the calgary media and you know the bigger cities as toronto and vancouver and all that stuff and you know in toronto they're looking at you know okay who can we right. really bring down and it's like well why like you guys haven't won the cup in 50 years like lift the players instead and you know because if we make the playoffs more people read the stuff you post 
and the better he goes for the players and for the teams and instead of like just try to bring one or two or three players down like you know if we do good you guys do good yeah that's just the way it is yep, yep. so it's, well it's um i think i think overall and i know a lot of other guys have said it they've played in other canadian markets that you know the calgary media is actually really good well we'll uh we're gonna pat ourselves on the back yeah, yeah, yeah i do want to do one of these and uh no but it's as i said it's you know it's it's just the way it is the, the only uh, bone i have to pick is a couple of days ago you mentioned wes gilbertson was your favorite yeah I'm he not is sure though no yeah wes is my boy you know wes is feels like wes has uh, been there with me since day one hey, i was there in penticton too for the <laughs> young stars i was with you at the draft when i was working the team so yeah i wasn't on. i actually wasn't at the draft but uh oh shilly yeah. at the draft <laughs> yeah shilly was, was, there. was there as well i believe Manj was, Manj there. was there yeah. i was in sweden i, I remember talking about yeah. sweden yeah that's, that's why that's why shilly's your favorite right <laughs> fair enough fair enough right I don't know who my man is. Match, yeah, you go with match. Yeah, I'll go with one Manch. each. Uh, go, go, uh, go. Yeah, I gotta go with all in blind again. Yeah, yeah. thanks oh. for doing this. All right, thanks, appreciate guys. it, man. Yeah. Uh, Rasmus Anderson joining us here at the Flames Celebrity Ambassadors Poker Tournament. You know, to be second to Wes Gilbertson yeah, is not okay. that bad a deal. And and honestly, I've, I've got a really good rapport with with Ras. You've got a really good rapport with Ras. But Wes and Ras have got a real like. It's it's actually really interesting to watch them. They'll spar. They'll like if you see. I've I've kind of just overheard Wes chatting with Raz. That little dinky little tape recorder Wes has, <laughs> and uh, I just I hear and like Raz is ruthless, and you know as well as anybody that yeah. Wes can Wes can keep up with the best of them. It's actually quite it's quite entertaining. It's and, an equal match because as you mentioned, they both can shoot from the hip with a barb real quick. And if you could just sell tickets to watch them go back and forth for about oh, 30 seconds at a time, you would be rich because it is highly entertaining. Pretty, uh, pretty good way to kick off our absolutely uh, our uh, first uh, our, our first live guest. And I, I honestly, I quite like the way that Raz has always gone about his business. He he knows what's being said. He knows what's being talked about. He's as dialed as they come. And I just like that's some real honesty about what it's like being in the limelight and i know that it comes uh, comes with the uh the territory of being a in his case four and a half billion dollar annual salary when you are going to be uh, a one percenter there are things that come along with that there's a spotlight there's the media intrigue there's the rumors all that type of stuff but as he's always said that doesn't that they're still humans and it's not like yeah. just because their bank account is more flush than ours or yours that it's easier to block out or it affects them any less right well and one of the things that i took away from the conversation was yeah they're not immune to criticism or anything of that sort but keep it on the ice not necessarily off of it that's sort of the boundary to draw because as you mentioned you can be dash 20 in a five game losing streak and it's fair to call him on his performance yeah it's some of the extracurriculars that are over the line um, now we have to turn things down a little bit. Just uh, raise the little arm up so it's right. In. There we go. There we are. The uh, the volume on Raz, who's a little bit more stoic in his conversation. <laughs> and uh, oh look, it's Candice <laughs> already. Don't even we, need to do the introduction. She's we've, doing we've the got, Yeah, we've got Raz mic'd up, so we're gonna have a. Oh, is Raz mi mic'd up for this? Mic'd up, so we're gonna have a good play. First TV one piece. out. Yeah, I said that. Um, uh, it is the. 
Calgary Flames Ambassadors Celebrity Poker Tournament. Of course, it's not the 16th annual because we had a couple of years where we couldn't do it. But this is what year? Is this year two or three back? Hi, <laughs> this is uh, year two back. Year two back. Okay. First so year 2020 back was last year. Okay. Yeah. It's so awesome being here every year. Yeah. It is. I, I think, and, and look, the Flames Foundation, Candace Gowdy, of course, of the Flames Foundation is with us. The, the Flames Foundation puts on these four or five events every year that are like, you got to be a part of it. And I just, from the golf tournament to some of the nights out you do, but this one, it's just different than all of them. It's like, it's a daytime event. The players are more accessible than they are. They, you know, there's a couple drinks. Everybody's got a few. It's just, this is... If you are listening right now, obviously you can't come play poker in 2024, but you can in 2025. Definitely. This, this is the event if you just want to kind of sit back, have a good time, raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for uh, an incredible Flames Foundation. But like, this is different than anything else you're going to be a part of, isn't it? It is. And this event is, you know, I'm biased, but it's very, very unique. It's our biggest fundraiser of the year. We have more than 400 people in this room. Uh, all of our players are here. We've got, you know, 20 alumni, our coaching staff, our hockey staff, and it is pretty laid back so you just have the opportunity to play some cards and chat with people uh we've got a great live auction we have a very strong committee that puts this together um and yeah we're very very lucky to have the people that participate in it participate in it it's yeah you mentioned it's laid back, but there's a buzz and an energy in this room at the same time as well. Yeah, you know what? And laid back's the wrong word. I think that it's a comfortable setting for people to interact with our team is what I mean by laid yeah. back. So it's, I mean, obviously there's this is high energy. People are having fun, uh, but it's also not intimidating. And it's just the guys are here and there's lots of chit chat. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a neat opportunity. It's amazing for networking. It's amazing for our fans. Uh, we have people that, you know, pay a lot and donate a lot to participate. And we're just, we're very, very, very lucky that our charity and our team uh, has that opportunity. It, um, look, you've been with the Flames Foundation since I've, like, you and I have basically the same age. And we've been in and around the team, I think, basically at the exact same time. So it's not like you, you've you worked for any other NHL team in this capacity, but I've seen it. I just I don't know if there is a team where the foundation and the group of players is so attached at the hip. It's it's a pretty special thing that you and your group have achieved. Uh, do you ever do you ever sit back and, and reflect on how unique that is in in professional sports? I mean, sometimes yes. I, I mean, we do meet with other teams, and uh, we've got a culture here. That has been talked about, but our ownership and our leadership uh, and the people that, you know, our management group for the hockey department group, they just, this is an important part for being a part of this team. And we also try, which I think is a bit unique, when a guy, a player is interested in doing something, donating somewhere, creating a program, we'll just will help them to the extent that needs to be done. We plan events for players. We, you know, we create programs for them. We match every dollar they donate up to 25000 So we're really encouraging them to, you know, you don't, their contributions don't have to be financial all the time. Obviously, what they're doing in other capacities is as or more impactful. But we really try and work with our team and our players on what, what, is meaningful for them and how we can be a part of that so we've got guys and we've had guys you know for the last two decades who have created some amazing yeah things. 
Um, so it's, you know, man, manages breadsticks. And Andrew Mangiapani's this year program, which is brand new. And Weeks, you know, and what he's doing with parachutes for pets. And those are programs that, you know, we have financially supported. We work with them on creating. You know, a player will come up and be like, I want to do something like. <laughs> and, yeah. I'll always know, remember the story yeah. you told about Matthew Kachuk or in his second year he came and he's like, I want to sponsor the children's hospital. And like, <laughs> well, okay, maybe we'll, <laughs> well, let's create something. But that's that's kind of the culture that that is is built up right totally and you know what players see you know they 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 see other guys doing it right and i told the story about a player at the beginning of the year that was like i want to do as much as backs how many how much does backs do well how many appearances i'm like oh my god too many <laughs> we like it's like i mean that sounded like negative but i was like he literally does so many well i want to do that many i'm like okay well it's you know two to six a month and uh, okay i can do that so it's just yeah it's a great culture and it's a wonderful environment and it's from the top down and we're pretty lucky how have you seen new players whether they're veterans or rookies coming up sort of embrace that same attitude for sure for sure for sure and i mean this is getting a little late in our season but the beginning of the season uh we have multiple players who you know hey how does it work here this is what i did at the other team right aj greer was like oh i've done a ton with children's hospitals what can i do here no problem um so lots of those conversations happen you know in the off season and then up to december but we have lots of guys who are interested in getting involved in some capacity and it's usually around in an area or with a charity that they already know about so most players are like oh you know animals or i I just want to help kids right and others have very specific charities that they want to align with which is great yeah so it's we we have a diverse bucket and full of what these guys are doing and it's pretty cool um what's going on at the so we're we're here this takes an immense amount of planning the golf tournament in september takes an immense amount of planning those are kind of the two hallmarks and the pillars every year but what else uh what else is the foundation working on right now yeah thanks i mean we had the backland als event which was a big one for this year we're working on some fundraisers associated with maker kippersoft's uh jersey retirement which is exciting that's you know a couple weeks away and we're really excited for that um we're really involved in our south asian celebration game on march 30th so we'll have some fundraising involved in and around that um yeah and then we're working hard to distribute the funds raised this year our 50 50 has performed well this year so that's amazing our 60 40s are doing awesome so 60 i remember you were a little nervous about the 60 40s you came up to me you're like yeah we're doing it first time can you give it some love i was like of course and then you're like i don't know if we're gonna yeah seems like they've been a hit too it could be a 10 percent loss right so it's and those that's our bread and butter uh the 50 50 and they've, it's gone great tuesday's jackpots are up high and they've gone really really well and um we're doing some really cool things this off season and we just launched a program with apple schools which is really unique uh we're working on more park and rink spaces which we're really excited about we're trying to work in people's communities as much as the flames foundation supports charities working in our community we're trying to really get in to communities in Calgary and Southern Alberta, and we're building a bunch of playgrounds. We're working with Cups to build a playground there, and two Calgary schools, and um, so it's 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 yeah. I mean, this is yeah, it's it's neat work. It's and it's uh, yeah, and it really is thanks to the people that support this charity. It is a unique charity, and all of our funds are raised through golf, poker, and 50/50. Yep. Like obviously, we have other smaller things, but those are our three big buckets, um, and everyone that participates in those three things is. That's how it happens. 
It's funny because you mentioned the 50-50 and then all the things that it can't support. Where I sit in the press box, I'm near visiting media all the time. They're always floored when they come through Alberta to see what the 50-50 fig- yeah. figures are. It's, it's you go, funny. If you, if you go to a sporting event in the U.S., like we're talking like a big uh, sold-out Wrigley Field. I remember the guys walking around with the 50-50 signs like, jackpot, $1,100. You're like, $1,100? What? Huh. Sometimes people spend that in Calgary on their yeah, own. On their so, own raffle. So, Eleven hundred. Yeah. And here, like, we're we're talking one hundred and eighty thousand, one hundred and ninety thousand on a Saturday. Like, okay, that's a fifty-fifty draw. Yeah, our Tuesdays are getting over two hundred a lot uh, for a Tuesday night draw, right, with the sixty forties. So, yeah, these are huge things for us. And you know, our poker tournament, we have people. This is our seventeenth one. They, we have so many people who have been here for seventeen years. Yeah. Which is also unique. So, uh, yeah, we're yeah, and we've got a lot of new sponsors today too. So it's uh, so far so good. Last thing before we let you go, because I know you got to do lots while you're here. Um, tell us a little bit more. Every, every time we do this, there's there's always the the different pillars of where Flames Foundation funding goes. Give us a refresher as to where, yeah. as we're raising, this thing's raised more than $6 million in 16 years and now year 17. So where does it all go? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, the three areas are grassroots sports, education, um, and health and wellness. So that's very broad. We like to tell people that we help kids play and prosper. So those programs that we're investing the most in are removing barriers to sports and recreation opportunities. So the Flames YMCA program, Junior Flames, First Shift, uh, Flames Even Strength, the Flames Sports Bank, which provides 20 different over 20 equipment for over 20 different kinds of sports and activities not just hockey uh and then you know school programs our partnership with apple schools reading give it a shot flames at school scholarships those programs and then health and wellness um you know we're significantly investing in the rotary flames house uh we do every single year so that's obviously one of our very very big ones alberta's first uh youth hospice and then the kids cancer care program and then all sorts of recreational assets in Calgary, which I was just chatting about. So those are our really, really big ones. But, I mean, last year we donated to um, more than 100 charities. So it was $5 million distributed. Uh, and we really try and be there for groups and charities that need us. And there's such amazing work being done in this city. And, you know, I've been here for 17 years. And I'm still in awe of the work that charity groups do. And, and you know, philanthropy really helps to support and subsidize critical and social services, and uh, it's important. It's important that we're there to help do that work as well. Congrats on another sold-out tournament. It's awesome. Yeah. Deerfoot Inn and Casino has turned into such an awesome partner for you, too. Yes. Like, this is, it's got a pretty, pretty, you haven't stopped smiling throughout the entire <laughs> interview, but it's got to put a pretty big smile on your face to see this place jam-packed and everybody just having fun. Oh, I love this event, and thank you for saying that about the Deerfoot, because they are a tremendous partner, and they are a wonderful host, and they obviously give us a smoking deal for what we do here, and it allows us to raise as much as we do. Um, yeah, and we're very appreciative of that, that's for sure. Thank you, yep. Candice. Yeah, Congratulations, eh? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Candice Gowdy of the Flames Foundation. Oh, wait, where's the website? I always get it wrong. www. Do people say www. anymore? No. Nah. <laughs> we do now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's calgaryflamesfoundation.com. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Candice. Yeah, thanks, guys. Candice Gowdy of the Flames Foundation here at the Deerfoot Inn and Casino. It is the Flames Ambassadors Celebrity Poker Tournament, the 17th edition in the 16 years prior. This thing has raised more than $6 million for the Flames Foundation. You just heard Candice and where all that funding goes to. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. This is Flames Talk. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.